My name is Bob Madar, and I welcome you to Episode 5, Caregiver Edition of the End of Life Podcast Series from Lumina Hospice and Palliative Care in Corvallis, Oregon. In today's episode, we're going to meet Bill. Bill's wife is suffering from dementia and has required an increasing level of support and care over the last five or so years. I asked Bill to talk about the circumstances that led to him becoming a caregiver and to describe his daily routine. The journey began back in 2015 when my wife on her own began to notice what she felt were some changes in memory and just kind of generally how she was feeling, energy level. And we did some neurological testing and she was diagnosed with having a mild cognitive impairment and it was attributable mainly to old age. Um, come ahead to December of 2016, uh, she had a fall right at Christmas time and broke a hip and she ended up in the hospital for six weeks. Major operation on the hip, another operation to put a uh, feeding tube in because she wasn't eating. And the doctors warned us that cognitively this was going to be a setback for her and one she might not recover from. And it turned out that was the case. When we came home uh, in February of 2017, uh, she, everything was was noticeably slower. Speech, memory, uh, more of a halting pace. And so uh, we did another test and the doctors confirmed. They said that it's no longer mild cognitive impairment. You have begun to move into some form of dementia. And uh, so uh, we said, well, that's no fun, but let's, uh, let's do what we have to do. So uh, fortunately, uh, while we don't have a condo in Hawaii, we were able to bring in a caregiver. So we've had a caregiver five days a week to assist me in taking care of Gloria as her symptoms progressed, and they did progress. Uh, to where she uh, it was uh, unable to walk from the bed to the bathroom. So we had to transfer to a tran uh, chair, wheel her in, uh, holding her in the shower, things like that. And then uh, toward the end of last year and certainly through this year, the symptoms continued to progress to where uh, pretty much nonverbal, uh, not really able to support herself, no balance, uh, cognitively, you could see that the, the decline was continuing and she was spending more time in bed. And then uh, as you come on into then uh, 2020, first part of the year, we, with a doctor's concurrence, we felt like it was time to go ahead and we got a hospital bed in. And uh, the 1st of September, we uh, enrolled in hospice. Mm. Uh, at that time, the symptoms had progressed to where she's now bed bound and requires help with everything. And she's not able to help with the help. <laughs> so unable to tell you if, if something hurts where, that kind of thing. So it's been a, a, a journey, I call it. Uh, from roughly uh, early 2015 to where we are today with the, uh, call it the heavy duty caregiving mm -hmm. over the last roughly 18 months and particularly the last six months. Okay. Well, 
we have a regular routine. It was one of the things that I learned after coming home from the hospital that uh, was really important for me in order to make sure I don't miss things or make mistakes. So we have a routine. Uh, usually it starts about 8.30 in the morning. Check the bed pad, check the overnight brief. And then we do our morning tube feeding and meds. Everything goes through the tube. So uh, that's uh, liquids that mm -hmm. pour down the tube. So tube feeding and meds. And then we turn her to a side. Uh, she's been on her back uh, at night and um, we turn her to one side and she's that way for two to three hours. It, it kind of depends on the rhythm of the day and how she's feeling, but roughly around uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30, we've finished all this other part I'm talking about. She's on her side. And then about 12.30 or so, we do, uh, again, bed pads, brief, and then bath and uh, top to bottom bath each day and uh, clean clothes. And we put her on her back so she's sitting and then I can do the lunchtime tube feed. She has to be laying on her back with her head elevated. And we'll, uh, she stays like that then for two or three hours. She might watch a movie with Kimberly if she's awake. Uh, and then in the roughly three to four time frame, uh, we'll turn her to uh, her side again. And uh, she stays that way then until about 7.30 or so when I turn her to her back. And we do our tube feeding, our evening medications, uh, clean brief, clean bread pads. And at that point, I, I, I kind of think in terms of well, I've got her settled for the night. So we might mm -hmm. be at nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the time that is settled for the night. Rarely do I have to, I do get up I'm kind of just a bit, it's a habit now about three thirty four. I wake up and I go check. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so uh, rarely is there anything that, that I need to do that. If the brief is wet at all, it's just slightly damp. And uh, so that's the end of the day. And we just pretty much every uh, day. And by keeping to that routine, I've found that it makes it easy for me then to plan blocks of the day, either for me mm -hmm. for a walk or I know I need to go to the store tomorrow. Well, I'm going to do it in this block. And Kimberly then knows what my coming and going is going to be like, and she can figure out what she's going to do for the day. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of where we are. And as we talked, I realized that Bill still cherishes his time with his wife and is very skilled and maintaining a sense of normalcy in the face of a difficult and trying situation. It centers around responses from Gloria, my wife, in different ways. Uh, the most uh, impactful are when she actually vocalizes something. And uh, our son, one of our sons was here Saturday. Uh, I think she tends to voices better than images right now, but she looks up and she just goes, oh, wonderful. She may not have said another word for the last week, but I hear it just, it comes out. 
similar with the Christmas music should be sitting there and, oh, that's wonderful is, is something that she would have said 20 years ago too. But we were listening the other night and <clears throat> there was just all of a sudden, oh, that's wonderful. In another way, I walked in from outside the other day and as I walked by the bed, she said, hey there. That was the standard way she used to greet me when I'd be coming into the room or I'd been gone for a while and I'd come back from shopping. She'd say, hey there. Um, and what I tend to do to capture those, usually I've got tears in my eyes, I sit down with the iPad and I capture that by sending it to her two best friends in the world who have known, they, the three have known each other almost as long as we've been married. And then I send it to our kids three sons and their uh, spouses. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I always get a response back, but that way I've shared it and I remember it and I have kind of a record of it. Mm -hmm. The smile on her face first thing in the morning is a smile that's been there for 52 years. So capturing that serene look that your partner has in the morning when you don't wake him or her up and they're just relaxed and all. Uh, that usually gets my day started really, really well. And most of the mornings are like that. If there's a frown, then I know, okay, there's a little something going on. It's time to try to diagnose that. But uh, so those are the kinds of things I'm talking about, Bob, in terms of what strikes me and that I try to keep. And then I quickly share mm -hmm. also with some of the, uh, uh, her other friends, she has a group of friends that we call the church ladies because they were all from the church and they were going yeah. to lunch once a month for like almost 40 years. Right. And I'll share, <coughs> share it with them too. Mm -hmm. Amen. So the verbal part, I guess, is what I'm, you know, I'm thirsty for. I'm wishing we had more of. Oh, and, yeah. and when it pops up, it really has an impact. And it's reassuring too. I, another thing I, I always tell other people is you, you need to remember that the person that you're thinking about, they're still there. There may be barriers to being able to communicate or maybe they're not able to be as active or whatever, but that the person that you're thinking about is still there. And when you get one of these, like your mom or Gloria says, hey there, it's just a reminder that, you know, yeah, you've, there are some things that have been lost, but that person is still there. And it, that's at least as helpful to me. It's one of the big benefits, I think, of being able to have her at home. As far as I'm concerned, Gloria is here. Uh, we have some challenges, but she's here. So in the evening, I can sit, we can both watch TV, and whether she's awake or not, I could comment on what we're seeing. And uh, it's... Uh, it's just helpful, I think, to remember the person that you're talking about is still there, even if if she were mobile and there were issues that I don't have to deal with. It, on their good days, you remind yourself that that person is still there. There's just mm -hmm. there's just something kind of in between where uh, it can cause challenges sometimes. But uh, so. I do look yeah. for those. Those are reinforcing too. That, that's another part of taking care of yourself. It's why Gloria's uh, hospital bed is in the middle of our family room. I wasn't going to have it back in the master bedroom where she'd be isolated all day. 
because I'd be out here doing things. Yeah, uh, no. We rearranged the family room, got rid of some furniture. And when people come in, I don't hesitate. I say, you got a minute? Come on in and say hi to Gloria. She's draped with a sheet. She might be asleep, but she might also pop her eyes open. And I just, we just, we're not going to cocoon. We're not going to hide. Uh, we're going to invite, uh, th these are close friends right now. We're being careful, but um, invite our friends in. And every time there's a little social interaction, if Gloria hears a familiar voice and her eyes pop open, to me, that's a big win. That's a good thing that happened today as far as taking care of Gloria. So. Bill mentioned that his wife's safety and comfort are now his primary focus. And I asked him if his relationship with the medical profession had changed as a result. I need really different kinds of help. I need more help that says, well, okay, given this set of conditions, here's what we know works the best to make somebody comfortable. And so, yes, I've had that conversation with him and to the point where in some respects, I've, I've started sort of pushing back a little bit. An example being, started this about two years ago, she was still on some dementia meds and a couple other things. And I just said, doc, I don't think any of these are doing any good. I wanna come down off of everything that isn't absolutely essential. And so we started, the doctor was involved in the conversation, but we got, we, we came away from that. So. No, we're not administering meds because we think it's going to fix something or make something better. It's not. As you said earlier, we're in stasis. So, yeah, the relationship with the physicians is, has changed. The relationship with the nurses has gotten stronger. How uh, so? In what regard? They just have so much practical, day-to-day, -day, hands-on experience. They can sit there and they're doing something and they say, well, look, no, don't use that dressing because this happens. Here's the thing that I found is the best. And I, and they just, they do it. And they just have a kind of the on the ground day-to-day -day sort of perspective that I've, I truly have never really found in, a, in an MD, mm -hmm. uh, as well-meaning as they might be. Uh, that's something I learned in the hospital. When Gloria was in for six weeks, I stayed in her room every night, uh, every day. And I learned a lot from the nurses. I ended up getting a sense of what care is really all about. Again, not fixing it. No, you know, doc, I don't need another pill. I need to understand how I make care work as best as I can. I asked Bill to talk a little bit about the challenges he's faced as a caregiver and if he had any advice for folks just starting out on the caregiving journey. Well, uh, from a, just a personal Bill point of view, the biggest challenge is getting enough rest. Uh, I find I'm catching myself short once in a while and saying, you know, this has been a very good week. You've been tired and yawning about every afternoon around 3.30. <laughs> Uh, and um, that that is still a challenge because for one thing, I wake up almost automatically in the middle of the night to check on Gloria. And I, I do a lot of tossing and turning and I'm reluctant to take like even a Tylenol PM because 
I feel like I need to be awake in case she were to start choking or something. One that I haven't got over yet, and probably all caregivers go through this, is maybe it's, you know, I was trained as an engineer. I, I still have my moments where I stare out the window and I say to myself, there's got to be a way I can fix this. There's something going on that's going to make this better. And I should be understanding what that is and pushing on those doctors to tell me more about that. <clears throat> and then I catch myself and, and say, no, look, you're not going to fix it. This isn't something that's fixable, at least based on all our current medical. You can't, you know, repopulate the brain. And but that is a, that's a personal challenge that I haven't gotten past yet. I still have this feeling at times like, you know, there is probably something I could do to fix this. But when she first started getting ill three years ago, I spent a lot of time on that kind of stuff. And we're talking to people at universities all across the country and getting on the Alzheimer's chats and everything. And, down to looking at the clinical studies and things. And so I kind of remind myself that, hey, you've already done a lot of that. And you know what? You're not going to fix it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so safety and comfort are what you're supposed to focus on because that's where we're at. To get focused on caregiving as a journey. You are going to be moving through time on a path you can't always predict. You may have a good sense of what the end result's going to be, but think of it as a journey. Think of it as you're going forward through these uh, activities, these, these occasions, these things that happen, but keep in mind that you're always moving ahead and uh, be comfortable with that. Understand that you've signed on for something that is going to not be fixed overnight. You're not going to fix it. You're going to move forward with it and think about as you're moving forward, then what becomes the most important. So like in my case for Gloria, safety and comfort. Moving ahead, what equals safety and comfort is going to change, but those are important. And remember, you're going to be moving ahead. So conditions are going to change and you're going to need to understand what to do as you move ahead. So some people that I've talked to, that seems to help them get past the overwhelming challenges of the day, some, at least somewhat, that I just don't know how I'm going to get through this day. Get focused a little differently, including there may be some things where you'd say to yourself, well, now that I think when that, that way, I'm not sure I need to do that every day because I don't see that changing that fast. But there's this other part that maybe I'm going to need to be prepared for, like in our case, be in a hospital bed in another couple, three months. So let me think about what I'm going to do about that. And, oh, I forgot to do this one thing today. It's okay. Catch it the next day. And at the end of the day. It's 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. We've, she's had her dinner. She's had her meds. She's warm and dry. She's in a comfortable position. She's falling asleep. And we're kind of settling in for the evening. I can get my evening scotch and I can sit down and I can say to myself, 
Okay, job well done. We got it done. I just that really just makes me feel really good. But that that end of the evening when you've had a successful day is really important. Uh, mm -hmm. And and I I'd have to say I do feel joy. I feel very very satisfied and accomplished uh, when we have those. Uh, mm -hmm. evenings and I'd have to say most evenings do go that way they don't uh, turn upside down uh, the first thing in the morning her face is always serene she's rested she's sleeping her color is perfect she's breathing very rhythmically and it's like uh, I'm gonna have to have my handkerchief it's like looking at an angel mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. you know what a way to start your day I can't think of a better description of the rewards of caregiving than that. And it seems to me that Bill's words offer us some important wisdom about caregiving, and for that matter, life in general. While we may be in a difficult and challenging situation that's not going to improve and will likely only continue to get more difficult, we can still find those moments of joy and satisfaction that help us to continue doing what needs to be done. We only have to recognize them and cherish them when they arise. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll return for Episode 6 when we will meet Kay, who's managing a difficult situation with courage, kindness, and resilience. <laughs>